Are you good with people? Maybe you're organized or have a knack for numbers. Well, then chances are you've got skills that could lead to a new career. A Google Career Certificate can help you get a foot in the door with top employers in fast-growing fields like IT support, project management, data analytics, and user experience design. It's professional-level training developed and taught by Google employees. And it's all online so you can learn around your schedule. Put your skills to work. Go to grow.google slash certificates. Hey, where are you going, Jim? The elevator's over here. Taking the stairs. But our meeting's up on eight. Yeah, I know. But that's eight floors up. That's like eight times eight. I don't know. A lot of stairs. That's the point. I've already lost a few pounds and earned almost $100 in wellness incentives. Whoa, you're getting rewarded for working out? Yeah, I know. I'm just as surprised as you are, Bob. Fearless is full of surprises. That's the power of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Federal Employee Program. Learn more about our healthy benefits and sign up at fepblue.org slash choose blue by December 11th. Westwood One presents The Pollsters. The Pollsters. And now, Margie and Kristen. Hi, and welcome to The Pollsters. I'm Margie O'Mara, Democratic pollster with PSB Research. And I'm Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Republican pollster with Echelon Insights. And each week we bring you the polls driving the latest news in politics, tech, and pop culture. So I'm feeling a little better Woohoo! physically. I still don't know if I feel a little better emotionally. This weekend I was at a party. I was like, oh, I'm going. It's going to be nice. I'm going out. I don't feel sick. We have a sitter. And then, you know, I'm going to just kind of put politics behind me. And every single conversation was about Trump. It was just a four hour cocktail party of people talking about Trump. Fine. I'm like going around. I'm like, what are you guys talking about? And they're like, well, we're talking about which executive. I'm like, I'm like, what are you guys talking about? Like, oh, we're talking, I mean, like, people were going in real deep. And then finally, I found some people complaining about pediatricians. I'm like, great, this, I want to get in on this. <laughs> this is exactly what I want to do right now. <laughs> I am, I'm, I feel like I'm so burnt out on the Trump stuff because it has consumed, it has not just consumed our lives since even the general election, but like since the very beginning of the primary, it's been the thing that nobody can stop talking about. And so I like that on our show, yes, of course, we are going to have to talk about things like the president's job approval and the policies that he's putting forward. I mean, these are big topics in the polls, but I think we want to make it a priority to have large chunks of this show be about things that are not Donald Trump. That's right. Because there's a lot of other stuff going on out there in America. It's important to keep that in mind. Yes, like the Super Bowl and Valentine's Day. Like Super Bowl and like Valentine's Day. Uh, So this week's top lines, we'll take a look at mode effects around the president's job approval. Do people have different attitudes when they're taking surveys online versus over the phone? Then Obamacare versus the ACA. How many people out there don't realize that Obamacare is the Affordable Care Act. Then Trump says that he doesn't buy negative polls, just the negative ones. We'll take a look at what some of those negative polls might be. Then moving on from bans, we'll talk about Bannon and how the president's advisor is polling versus folks like Chuck Schumer. Uh, then there are presidential elections happening around the world. We'll take a quick trip over to France, where we'll talk about the very fascinating presidential election that's unfolding there. And last but not least, we're headed into Valentine's Day. So we'll talk a little bit about how people are preparing for the big holiday. 
But first, this episode's sponsor is ZipRecruiter. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. So if you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. But now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, Polster's listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. And one more time, it's trying it for free if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash free trial. Let's move on to the poll of the week. Yes. So the poll of the week. So we had the Super Bowl this last weekend. It's normally not my thing which my daughter immediately sensed. And she was like, why? Why are we watching this? I'm like, well, it's just one day a year that we watch this for the ads and there's going to be singing in a minute. She's like, oh, why? And then she got into a little bit and uh, and I felt like I was really like this great sports commentator since I could explain like a teeny tiny bit for my five-year-old. I'm like, that's the score in the corner. We're for the red team. And she's like, is it still score the same? I'm like, the score is still the same. Like, I'm like, I'm a genius. I'm like a sports genius. And um, and she, and then she said, how long, how big is the field? And I said, a hundred yards. She's like, well, why isn't it a hundred rainbows? I'm like, that's a really good question. We should ask Roger Goodell if we can begin switching downs to be counted in terms of rainbows. I know, I right? like it. Uh, I enjoyed the Super Bowl quite a bit. I married into Patriots Nation, so uh, there was a lot of excitement and celebration uh, at our house. Uh, there was a, a lot of t- – gosh, Twitter Twitter was on fire with good tweets of making jokes that probably wouldn't have made you very happy comparing the game to the presidential election. I know. I saw a lot of them. I How mean- – you, know, you can't escape it. Brady, they had, they had been down for so long, and, and all of these models said, oh, they only have like a 4% chance of winning at this point. Yeah. And then they came back, and then in overtime, I, because of the new rules, the other team didn't even get to touch the ball. Patriots got it. They scored. Done. So there, there were quibbles about the rules, and uh, oh, well, the Falcons won. Three of the four quarters, so right. That's like the popular popular vote. vote. Yeah, (laughs) I know, right? So bad. And then earlier in the evening, it was like Trump. You know, Trump saying that the you know Patriots won by thirty million. You know, well, he said that he thought the Patriots would win by eight, and they wound up winning by six. And what's weird is he should quit his day job because of the way the overtime stuff worked. Had the Patriots had an opportunity to go for a two point conversion, I mean, you didn't need to. The game was over. You'd won. Theoretically, Trump. I mean, I would say Trump called it within a margin of error. Yeah. Well, sometimes you sometimes you you win some, you lose some. Sometimes you get it right. Got to call it out. That's when, fine when, when he gets it right. You know, that's okay. Um, but meanwhile, so I was a little more interested in Lady Gaga and the ads. And Ace Metrics, our old friend, released some polling about some of the ads, which were also really political too, which I found pretty unusual. And the Audi ad about equal pay. That was one of the top testing ads, which, which I thought that was pretty incredible that that was. Such I am a t- I'm honestly a little surprised about this. So yeah, Ace Metrics finds that the standouts. It says they took a lighthearted approach. They exhibited likable visuals, were relevant, and were the least polarizing. 
But I I thought the Audi ad was actually, I mean, from what I was seeing in my orbit, was actually very polarizing. That mm-hmm. there are statements like, should I tell my daughter that she'll be valued less than any man she ever meets? And that's just like, I did not like that. Like, that was like inflammatory to me. And I'm even usually like, woohoo, on the girl power stuff. So I, I was surprised. But hey, this is why you do research. Because the things that someone like me hears and reacts to may not be... It's why we study what other people think. Doesn't matter what I think. Um, and so you had Ford's Go Further ad. So this one ran pregame and postgame commercial breaks only. I don't think I saw it. I don't think I saw it either. Um, but so then Audi's ad was the first, the the top one during the game. Second was King's Hawaiian, which is the one where the dad is like dropping the rolls through the cabinet. Yeah. Very simple. That was like the complete app. It just had like. One kind of thing in it. It's just, <laughs> just one Kids point. eating bread. <laughs> not not a lot. It weren't not a big to... statement about society. <laughs> no. The dad enjoys scaring the kids. It's pretty great. Yeah. Um, fourth was Nintendo's Switch and Play, which I was excited about. I mean, they could have just had the ad with, like, the Switch just sitting there. and her, like, It looked pretty cool, Nintendo actually. has a new console, everybody. And it would have been my favorite ad. But yeah. it was the way that they showed all the cool stuff you can do with it. I'm so in for it. It's, like, less than a month. I can't wait. Yeah. I did not see – I don't think any of these other ones. So then the ads that wound up getting uh, – it's Ace Metrics is calling these the flops of yeah. the Super Bowl. The biggest flop they find is the 84 Lumber ad, which is one that is called The Journey Begins. And what you saw on TV was 90 seconds of a family sort of making their – what looks like they're making their way north. And apparently the story is that the ad's original cut, they wind up encountering a border wall. Yeah. And Fox said we're not going to air the ad with like this is too – polarizing we're not going to do it yeah so they had to edit the end of the ad out and then it just says at the end like go to wherever whatever to find out more so i did watch the whole ad so they encounter a border wall and it has a door and then the door opens and they walk in and it's kind of a it's a little bit of a strange ending because like you know it just sort of opens magically and then they're kind of welcomed through the mom and daughter the wall's gonna have a big beautiful door margie right so so what is it saying is it actually in support of the wall which or you know, on the other hand, it shows this very human struggle of, you know, mom and daughter that's very relatable mm-hmm. and it, it really carries, you know, you have a very long sequence of, you know, what it must be like to to travel with a small child through these harsh conditions and that was very moving. Anyway, so uh, it's not surprising that a shortened version of the ad without that ending, the ending already had a kind of strange resolution that without any ending at all, that this ad would test poorly, regardless of the political content. And then the political content made it, you know, very um, a polarizing. On the other hand, it went viral and they got lots of notoriety. And it's a company that, you know, was not kind of in anybody's, yeah, wasn't, you know, tip of the tongue for anybody. So was it a flop? Lots of people were talking about it. So, so mm-hmm. I mean... Another ad that Their is on this crashed. flops list that surprises me is Squarespace. Their ad with John Malkovich. I actually really liked it. Maybe I just like weird humor. Like I hated the Skittles ad and the Skittles ad is number six on the list. The Skittles ad was super weird. See that one. It's the one where there's a kid like throwing Skittles through oh, a window saw, and like there's a rotating cast yeah, of people. Yeah, I didn't understand like, what was happening. A burglar and then a cop. Yeah, I was yes, like, I, I don't get this one at all. Yeah, yeah. This I didn't is made understand for that. someone else's brain. Yes. Uh, but it did really well. Meanwhile, John Malkovich g- placing hostile phone calls to the owner of JohnMalkovich.com <laughs> that's good. is like, that's right. That's my scene. I'm there for that. How many so. people were like, who is this person? You know, I don't know. <laughs> 
stupid but millennials. I did think, I did it's all of, stupid millennials. I did I'm think sure. about. I did think about you when, <laughs> when the the Justin Bieber ad came on. I was like, I wonder if Kristen's like, yes, <laughs> the Justin Bieber ad. Which was the Bieber ad? He, was it? It was for oh, like no. the phone company, right? Wasn't it for cell phones? Oh, I, I don't. don't I don't know what the Bieber one is. The best ad, which is one that I don't see on here at all, was for buy BAI, some oh, kind yes. of antioxidant drink. Because they had Justin Timberlake in it, and yes. it, the ad they played, bye, bye, bye. And I was like, okay, I am your target audience. Oh, it so Christopher Walken, like, deadpan reading of bye, bye, bye lyrics. Isn't that what it was? I think it was Christopher yeah. Walken, and then you had Justin Timberlake. Yeah, involved, no, that was good. Was, uh, that one had something delightful. for everybody. See, this is the, that was it. That's our brief break. Back to the grind, everybody. Back to the grind. <laughs> Sorry. Back, back to the The politics. bell is ringing. Everyone go back to school. <laughs> Recess is over. So mode effects. For our listeners who may be newer to the show or are not, you know, polling industry nerds and professionals, what a mode effect is is basically it's, it's about the results of a survey being affected by the way in which it was conducted. So is there something that influences the results that is not about, you know, people's actual attitudes, but is about the mode in which the survey was conducted? So an example is if I ask the same hundred people the same question, but I ask them online versus phone, if there's a difference between the online versus phone, um, then that's that's a mode effect. So the question here is, you know, when it comes to something like Trump, um, is there are people responding differently on the phone versus online? And we did a little bit of we talked a little bit about some studies. I think Morning Consult had tra- had tracked this before the election. Um, what we were finding was that generally Trump was doing a little bit better using methods where you did not have to tell a human being you liked or supported Trump. That if it was a live phone call, his numbers were the lowest. If it was IVR, interactive voice response, where it's like a robo-poll, um, that was sort of middle of the road because there it is the phone, but it's you're not talking to a live person. And then last but not least, online, where it can feel even more anonymous. So Margie, what are we finding? Has mode effect also come into play with Trump job approval? Yeah, so it's – and I actually did email the Fempire at Huffington Post about it because they were talking about this on Morning Joe this past week, too. And I feel like maybe I saw some other outlets talk about it. And there's a little bit of a mode effect in some of the ban polling, probably for the, the same methodological reasons. So it looks like – I think it's too early to say there's no analysis that says, yes, we did an experiment. Like you, you, folks who have been listening to the show for a while may remember that there were lots of experiments about mode effects during the election to see if there was – like a shy Trump voter, they didn't want to tell a live caller that they were uh, there were Trump voters. But if you you know push them into a in, uh, online methodology, they would say something else. Um, so we're not there yet. But it, it here's though the pattern so far. If you look at just the live phone polls alone, there you have the disappro- you have more voters disapprove of Trump than approve. He's and it's it's 52, pretty sizable. Fifty two forty two. That's pretty sizable. A ten point gap. Now, if you look at just the Internet, let's leave IVR aside for a moment, and you look at just the Internet, just online. And so that's Ipsos, Politico, Morning Consult, SurveyMonkey, YouGov, Zogby. So just online. There, it's almost tied. You know, 48 
Disapproved. That's a big swing. 45 approved. So, I mean, there's a, there's a, you know, he's underwater in terms of approval. Hey, well, you know, let's face it. These aren't great numbers, however you slice it. But it's not a 10-point gap. It's just a, it's a much smaller gap. Now, is that is the gap between the gaps due to the mode, due to something else about the outlets? Because we're not randomizing within outlets. You know, they have different outlets. They could have their own house effects, right. which is where one outlet, you know, shows a different response for whatever reason. Um, or is it, you know, just chance? Is it just, you know, this is due to chance? This is just normal error and doesn't, you know, normal variation doesn't mean anything. So we don't know the answer to that. I don't think anybody's made any analysis to come up with an answer to that yet, but it is something that folks should keep an eye on and think about going forward. And this whole question of the mode with which you conduct a survey is part of uh, what leads to some polling beefs. We have a polling beef this week where you had uh, the Trump administration touting some poll numbers, including a poll, um, the Emerson poll, um, as well as uh, some polling conducted by Politico and Morning Consult. And Politico Morning Consult's work, which, as I discovered this past week, is like Tyler, who worked with me back when in our Winston Group days, is like the guy doing this it's. I'm like. I'm very proud. There's so much morning consult polling going on. Like every time. Like I don't know when, if Tyler sleeps. I don't. I don't know, even know if that's possible. Yeah. Like I just turn around and there's like, and it's not just at Politico, but it's it's everywhere. So every time I turn around, there's like morning consult showed X. Like whatever conversation somebody's having, like you know, the next day there's a morning consult question about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, the challenge is that with the way Morning Consult conducts their polls is it's all online. And they use um, a particular online survey provider where the panel is technically, it's opt-in. You know, it's people choose to become a part of the panel. And um, so they can get this huge scale. But this is a question that the polling world is grappling with. And so CNN basically came out and Jenna Jesta, friend of the show, but who I have talked on the show about like I've done online polling and CNN won't cover it and that so I stand with my morning consult brothers and sisters on this question of like online polling is is worthwhile but CNN will not cover your poll if it's not conducted in a way that is considered like a a true probability sample which basically means phone right you can there's like one provider of online polling that says they do it in a probability way right but j- for the most part probability polling means phone polling right right so so right so there's so we don't know if it it's that's the reason or if it's because they're like you know the, the secret trump the shy trump voter so there's just you know th- there's a variety of stuff going on we don't we, we can't quite get to the bottom of it but needless to say the numbers, whatever the gap is between approve and disapprove, they're not so good for the new POTUS. Um, and not great. When you look at all of the numbers together, uh, you add, you, you take the chart and you put all of the polls into the chart. You wind up with a disapproval of about 48 percent, approval of 46 percent. So not great. Although that is not that is not underwater. I mean, it's underwater. It's not not wonderful, but it's not. I feel like on Inauguration Day, weren't we talking about his numbers being around 40 percent approval? And I think that's a different question because it was, do you approve of the way he's handling the transition? So, like, the question technically resets and starts anew. But it's not as though the last few weeks have caused his numbers to crater. This has sort of just been what the last three weeks of his presidency have looked like. Yeah. So, 
Um, and, I mean, and, remember, right, this is what, you know, I mean, there are lots of people and they voted for him and they like what they're seeing. I mean, there are some numbers out there that are, you know, show good this, signs. This Emerson him. poll is one example. Yeah. So the, the, it, Emerson conducted a study where they wanted to find out who people think um, of as truthful. And 49 percent of registered voters consider the Trump administration truthful. 48 percent say untruthful. When you ask about the news media, 39 percent consider the news media truthful compared to 53 percent untruthful. So the Trump administration winds up plus one on that question where the news media winds up minus 14. Now, here's the thing about that. Just to defend the media for a moment here is that when you're asked that question, like when you're asked about the Trump administration, it's very clear who people are thinking about, right? They're thinking about like basically like three people. <laughs> yes. <laughs> In terms of who is the is the Trump administration truthful, they're thinking about three people. When you're asked, is the news media truthful? You could be everybody's got somebody that they don't think is truthful in the media. And that you you don't know if they're responding to their own personal media nemesis or the media overall. I mean, that's a whole lot of people to kind of respond to, and you're not really sure what people are thinking. That doesn't mean that that question's not useful, just as a point of comparison to Trump, where you're talking about three people versus, you know, a zillion people. This is also one of those instances where I can see partisan cues helping out the administration. So you're going to have you're going to have a chunk of people that'll say they distrust the administration no matter what. But you've also got a sort of a built in floor there, whereas there's no built in floor for the news media. Everybody likes to complain about the media. So you don't come in with that built in one third of respondents who no matter what you do, are going to say great things about you. Right, right. So because I mean, even obviously, there's a partisan thing here where 91 percent of Republicans, my goodness, think of the think the media is untruthful. I mean, that's really high. Republicans obviously like to have this kind of confrontational stance toward the media, but I'm sure that a good chunk of those Republicans find some media outlet truthful, whether that's Fox News or something else. And 69% of Democrats think the news media is truthful. I'm sure there's 69% of those de- of, of that 69% of Democrats, there's some large number that finds some major media outlet untruthful, even mm-hmm. though they say overall the media is truthful. So are they really responding to, you know, some media outlets specifically or just their broader view? So some more data that came out that gives uh, some initial impressions on uh, overall how people are reacting to Trump's presidency comes to us from the Harvard Institute of Politics. Friend of the show, John Della Volpe and his crew have rolled out a very brief survey of uh, 18 to 29 year olds conducted uh, in late January, just starting hours after the president's inaugural address. Um, And asked about job approval for both Trump, uh, approval of Barack Obama. Um, You find that 64 percent of young people say they approved of the job Obama did. Meanwhile, 60 percent say they disapprove of the job Trump uh, has been doing during the transition. Again, there really wasn't enough time with him in office when this was fielded. Right. Um, So this is it's comparing the transition approval. Um, But then they ask, you know, did you watch the speech at all? And you wind up with about a a half that say they had either watched the speech in full, in part, or in highlights. And when you further followed up with those people, well, okay, so you watched it. Did it make you hopeful or fearful? A plurality say hopeful. 36% say hopeful. 31% say fearful. 30% not sure. Now, granted, you are looking at the subset of people who said they went to look at the speech. So you're right. probably seeing a more Republican subset of the overall sample. But nonetheless, you know, one would expect that you would hear much more fear considering how sort of poorly Trump 
polls and has polled in the past with this generation, I was frankly surprised to see the numbers being even as good as that. Yeah, I mean, among Democrats who watched the speech, half said they felt fearful, about 10% said they felt hopeful. I don't know what that means exactly. And then about a third say they weren't sure. I mean, I guess I don't want people to feel as fearful. I don't know if I want everyone to feel as fearful and miserable as I feel. So I guess, you know, I guess that's, I, I don't know how I feel about that personally. But I mean, uh, what I did like about this uh, John Delavolpe thing or Harvard Institute politics thing is that Democratic millennials in particular feel that they are more motivated now to get active mm-hmm. politically. This is very consistent with the polling we talked about last week. I can't remember where that came from. YouGov, maybe, that showed that Democrats, particularly Democratic women, were more likely to get involved as a result of this. And this echoes that where about a third of Democrats say, I'm more motivated. um, And that's more than Republican millennials who say that or independent millennials who say that. So that's a good outcome, a silver lining in this horrible, bleak gray cloud. (laughs) Part Part of me gets a little bit chuckly when all of a sudden, like, protest and civic engagement is like the new trendy thing you want to do to get people to click and like like your post on Instagram. On the other hand, whatever gets you in the door. So I'm I'm like trying not to be too snarky about it when I see like civic engagement tourism occurring. Yeah. <laughs> like okay, it's like fem- than femverti- femvertizing is out and whatever the new name is for this is in. Or maybe they're all <laughs> it's all part of the same thing. Right. It's you know, it's like it's fine. If it means it's that's what makes it fun for everybody, then that's great. I'm I you know there's a have you ever there. watched there's a show called Arrested Development? Oh yes. Okay. So Lindsay Bluth. Like that's yes, I keep telling right. people like, okay, yes. if the resistance is Lindsay Bluth, y'all aren't gonna move things. But if it's but you can that's a start. You got to, but you got to get beyond the like Lindsay Bluth. Like, you can take our stylists, but you won't take our style. Like, you got to get <laughs> a step beyond that. that. Got to take a step beyond it. Well, one first step to all of that would be to have some knowledge of some of these key issues which are happening, which are complicated. They are complicated yeah. issues, they're complicated to test. Um, and the, not surprisingly, there was a lot of confusion. And I don't think you said this on a show. I think you might have said this when we were not recording. Like, hey, I would love to see how many people actually are confused, don't know that ACA is Obamacare. I don't know if you said that on the show or not. But anyway. <laughs> oh, well, now I've been called out. So <laughs> Somebody asked it, right? Somebody asked it. You're, you know, you said it. You put it out in the universe, as they uh, and, say. And, and, and somebody asked it's it. It's like the secret. I put it out in the universe and it came to me. So <laughs> That's right. Universe. <laughs> My birthday is coming up. (laughs) All I want is to know how many people don't know that Obamacare is the same as ACA. No, that is not what I want for my birthday. No, 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 no. Um, But what we find – so this is – is this coming to us? This is the upshot reporting on this. Um, About 35 percent of respondents when asked if they thought that Obamacare and the ACA were the same thing, about 35 percent say that they thought uh, that they were different policies. Um, or there was another 17% who said they did not – oh, no, pardon me. 17% said that they thought that it was a different policy and 18% said they didn't know. So about a third of people have this like, wait a minute, is Obamacare the Affordable Care Act uh, type question going on? And the confusion was more pronounced among people who are under the age of 30. Come on, millennials. This would be step one Come in on, activism. Guys. Uh, and those who earn less than $50,000, which are two groups that would be 
would see a lot of change yeah. under repeal. Yeah. And about half didn't have some grasp on whether ACA is, you know, up for repeal. Is it going to be repealed? Or they, you know, what do they think about that? And so that's, you know, not that what they think, what do they know about that? And so almost half didn't have a, have a sense uh, of whether or not that was on the table. So that's one thing in the news recently where there was some confusion. Another one that this went a little viral. This was something that people found interesting is the just the hard ID, never mind the favorability, the hard ID of Chuck Schumer versus the hard ID of Steve Bannon. So this was in, this was Quinnipiac, but it was reported in the post. It did a nice little graphic in the post. So this was Quinnipiac. And, you know, Chuck, Sch- I mean, both are going to have very partisan tinge to their favorability, of course. Um, uh, but there's there's also this, you know, the sort of middle bar, if you look at the charts here, is just I haven't heard enough. I don't know anything about, the, you know, these folks. And so you have more people, more Democrats who aren't sure who Chuck Schumer is than who aren't sure who Steve Bannon is. Yeah, Republicans are – it looks to me like – You've got uh, Democrats have really they they have decided that Steve Bannon is is the enemy. I mean, he's played on SNL as like the Grim Reaper. Yeah, um, I'm I'm actually surprised that for Republicans the numbers not higher, but Chuck Schumer is only recently in the Harry Reid gig. Yeah, but Chuck Schumer does love a camera, so I mean, I, he will be in America's living rooms a plenty. Yeah, for those numbers to change. Yeah, I know, right? You know, needs more TV. By the way, speaking of New York politicians who love cameras, I finally watched the Anthony Weiner documentary. Oh, yeah, it's good, isn't it? I cannot believe that film exists. And they do a call with the pollster. Oh, yeah, that's right. It's fascinating. They don't name the pollster. At first, I thought it sounded like Stan Greenberg's voice, but then upon further digging, it's not. But it's funny to listen to the call with the pollster, and then they hang up and they're like, those guys don't know anything. (laughs) You drop 10 points in a week, but you could come back 10 points in a week. Like, it's just, it was funny. Okay. I digress about TV-hungry New York politicians. So here's another, well, you know, it's New York. I mean, that's that's what people want. Yep. Anyway. Uh, it's like the <laughs> Clearly, French... clearly. Yeah. New York, New Yorkers who like going on television. Yes. That's, you know, that's, that's what we're all about. Who okay. Knew? So here's another kind of complicated, I maybe not complicated, but not your usual you know, thing that people sort of wake up and care about, and that's the Supreme Court nominee, um, that process. I mean, there's a lot of, like, issues that, and maybe because people feel fearful, maybe it's because Trump is focused on making news. Who knows? But, you know, some of these, like, you would not have a kind of live proceeding of the appeals court, like, played, you know, on a variety of networks like we had this past week in, in the ban hearing. I mean, some of these things that people are following, like the details of executive orders, I mean, I just don't remember under Obama people paying that kind of close attention. And it's because at least on the left, people feel like, we got to, you know, I went out to lunch, I came back, like, what, you know, what like prized institutions about to like go, you know, <laughs> crumble down to the ground, literally or figuratively. Um, so I don't know how much of it is that, but anyway, the I remember sitting around my apartment, my last semester of college, with a bottle of wine, watching Robert's confirmation hearings. But I was weird. Yeah, I mean, so <laughs> I don't know how many. Young women out there listening to the show, it is perfectly acceptable to sit around with a bottle of wine if you're over the age of 21. Be yes. responsible, kids. Uh, watching your C-SPAN. 
You yeah. do you. Do you. No, don't let anyone shame you out no, of it. No, people do it. I mean, I, I don't know. But anyway, the, but it, but voters over as a whole don't. <laughs> that, I think, that's unchanged. Like, voters as a, you know, basic, you know, premise haven't. Um, and so you see, you know, for some of these questions about Gorsuch, again, in, in Morning Consult, Politico, but also Gallup has some numbers, too. There's lots of don't knows, right? I mean, it, this hasn't yet, despite the primetime announcement, hasn't yet kind of swept the nation um, you know, uh, uh, in terms of attention, you have about a third in some of these questions, like, I don't know whether it's, you know, have you heard a lot? What, how do you think you, the Senate should vote? Um, you know, what do you think it's going, what do you think it's going to do to the Senate? I mean, to the Supreme Court, um, there's a lot, it's a similar, pretty, you know, robust don't know for a lot of these questions. I would be interested and Throwing this out there, free question idea for Tyler and the, the morning console crew. <laughs> uh, an argument that I hear a lot is that, look, Gorsuch might be a nice guy. He might be qualified, but isn't this Merrick Garland's seat? Um, which is is not a position that folks on my side of the aisle hold or like. And it's unclear to me how widespread it is. But I, I wonder, you know, a lot of these questions, I, I would just be curious if presented – I mean, you'd almost have to ask this like a message test. Like, which do you agree with more? Democrats should block whether Gorsuch is qualified or not. Democrats should block the nomination because it is not his seat to fill. It should be filled by Merrick Garland or too bad. Tough cookies. Trump's president. This is his guy. Right. I mean, don't if, frame it that way. Tyler that is was, not my recommended question. Wording. If Tyler was here, he'd say, well, we'd have something somewhat adjacent to that already. Oh, did I? Do I need to turn but the page? It's not, it, but it is not about the Supreme Court specifically. Oh, it's just about obstruction. It's generally. about obstruction more generally. Ah, so okay. now I, I see it's two pages later in the script. Yes, well, you know, now I'm here. Well, I'm here. I'm flow. caught up. Well, it would flow <laughs> from the gal anyway. So um, that's why it's here. So uh, yes. Yeah, so if, if you ask about obstruction, and this is not tied to anyone specifically. So this is among Democrats. Do you think Democrats in Congress should stick to their principles when it comes to working with Trump, even if it means blocking everybody? And then oh, no, I can still hear. Sorry, that's okay. <laughs> Uh, over half of Democrats say, yeah, just, you know, block everybody, stick to your principles. And then a third say Democrats should focus on finding ways to work with Trump in order to get things done. Um, you know, another way to to put this, is, which it's not phrased, but this would be another way to look at it. Like, you know, Trump's not going to do anything to reach out to Democrats. So why not block all of stuff? Or. Um, you know, should Trump do something to work with them, you know, something like that. So it puts a little bit, I mean, another way to look at it is like how much of this is about like Trump's not, Trump's not extending an olive branch to anybody. I mean, that's so like, it doesn't, you know, not even most people. Why even even have a thing that's like, I mean, this is not, it's not about the question wording, but this is in terms of the thought, you know, behind it. Like why, like you should work, you know, work with Trump to get things done. Like he's not, you know, what if there is no offer on the table to work with Trump? So that's just another thought here. But as far as Gorsuch goes, he's still not in the like, excitement nor he's in kind of tough territory but his, his numbers are elena kagan numbers yes and also, like harriet myers, and also harriet myers and also harriet myers numbers mm. but but gallup notes that harriet myers never just kind of kept going down while kagan went up and so what happens next we don't know um and then there's still the travel ban which we haven't 
uh, discussed, and there's still but where like, Trump did tweet out Morton Consult numbers. This is again part of the whole the polling beef we were talking yes. about earlier. That the White House talks about polling numbers that a news outlet like CNN says, well, we would not consider that fit to print. And again, we know where I fall on that that beef, but like that that that's where this tweet I think is part of where this beef originates. Well, this is like a real poll. This is not like Trump tweeting out like a Pepe the Frog meme poll. I mean, this is like an actual thing, you know? This is like, so, you know... It's okay to tweet these numbers, President Trump. It, it, this is okay. You have this the pollster seal this one is of fine. approval. This one, you, it, you, you know... It is not a Pepe the Frog. <laughs> okay, you... Do you not get, put that in the show notes or we're going to get all... I mean, no, I won't. Sorry. No, I won't. Um, we're in the safe space of our of our listeners. Um, and, uh, yeah, but no, this is like a real... I mean, look, at, to go back to our earlier fight one of our earlier points like there you know it's mostly bad news but it's not all bad news because some of the executive orders are you know popular and the ban is one of them according to it's the, one of the top ones according to uh tyler <laughs> politico and morning i'm Consumble. sorry put this all on tyler now like he's gonna regret somebody else is like hey i wrote that like, <laughs> like, no what did you do <laughs> it's i wrote that you. one i made that graphic um you know revoking federal funding from sanctuary cities that's the top one. Anyway, so you know some of these things are more popular. the The least popular one is the um, uh, the Dakota Access Pipeline, but that's I think also because as a higher don't know. It's not just because it has a high disapprove, but that's why it's at the bottom of this list. It looks like it's don't know is not the highest, but you know up there that's part of it. So anyway, um, so you know while this morning console poll shows majority support for the ban, other polls. Don't they show opposition? And again, to our point from last week, there's lots of question wording differences here. If you ask about if you say the phrase, this is Trump's executive order, does that matter? If you say it's only for 90 days or only for 120 days, does that matter? That, you know, that does that change things? If you say it's we're going to suspend all immigration in from Syria indefinitely that then you have real opposition really it varies considerably so i i think there's still a lot of uncharted territory on how people view the muslim ban but by some measures it's popular but by other measures you know behind it it's it's unpopular well the question of immigration from predominantly muslim countries and refugees coming from the middle east this is not just a political issue here in the us and we are seeing that there is a, a big question about this in France and Germany and a whole bunch of other European elections. But um, I have become pretty interested in the French presidential election. And uh, we're going to take a brief uh, dive into some of this global polling here, which makes me super excited. Uh, by the way, I was on my honeymoon in France five years ago during the presidential election. I think it was like I think it was before the second round. So for folks who don't know, the way the French presidential election works is kind of interesting is they have the first round and then the top two go to a runoff. So you kind of de- – uh, How much de- later is the runoff after – I think it's a couple weeks. I don't – it's not – I mean, remember, most countries don't do the horrible, horrible thing that we do where we're like perpetually in presidential campaign mode. <laughs> um, so I was there on my honeymoon during that interim period. And it was also interesting because all the campaign ads that were up were these posters where it was just like – Sarkozy's face like with like this like soothing ocean behind it was like like an ad for a spa but instead it was Sarkozy or 
Francois like Hollande. That's like the opposite of what yeah. I want to see in a spa, Sarkozy floating <laughs> or over the, Francois Hollande. So, an ocean. So Hollande announced uh, – Francois Hollande, he's the Socialist Party um, president, which when I say socialist, bear in mind that that sort of actually just means center-left in French politics. Like it doesn't mean the same thing that it would mean here mm-hmm. if we had a socialist candidate. Right. I mean anyhow. We did – well, we did. We, we did. did. <laughs> like, well, okay, so we did. But so the, the Socialist Party is the center left. Then um, there's a center right party that was Sarkozy's party. Uh, then you have this Marine Le Pen, who is, if I say she is Francis Donald Trump, there are many reasons why people would call that out as being incorrect or incomplete or what have you. She was kind of Trumpy before Trump was Trump. Like, she has been. And her father. Ran for president yes. as well. And so her party, the National Front, is is a nationalist populist party. It's considered far right. But again, I don't think that the right left thing totally works because she also gets like a lot of support from trade unions and things. So it's it don't think about left right the same way you think about it here. There it's much more about cosmopolitan versus uh, nationalistic and has a lot to do with France's role in Europe. And so kind of the same thing with Brexit, right? You had folks that were this populist nationalist, get us out of the EU, get us out of the euro, or the UK wasn't in the euro, but here in France, that's that's a piece of this. Mm-hmm. So Marine Le Pen, and, and her movement had been associated with like xenophobia and racism, and she has tried to walk that back and be like put a slightly kinder, happier, friendlier face on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so we now have um, the... So we, we've – you would think, OK, the center left versus the center right and then you've got Marine Le Pen. So who's the candidate of the center left? Well, the thing is the center left like does not have it together. Um, and so you have uh, – you have the center left that like right now is split between some candidates. Um, the center right candidate is Francois Fillon and he has just – it's just come out that he is being accused of having made payments to his wife with campaign funds. So it's kind of like – remember when here – we had the Access Hollywood tapes and everybody was like, oh, is there a way for Trump to get off the ballot? That's kind of the conversations that are happening but in France it, right now. But isn't – so every time I hear about what's going on in France politically, there's always something like that. It's always like some kind of like personal scandal where you're like, there's no way that would fly here. And then somehow it flies over there. They're always – I mean, you know, it's always – So we'll get to and the best one. And doesn't one of the other can, uh, candidates have the same issue? As well, it's not just that they're like, oh, this is how it is in France, and that candidate also has got the same. Well, so uh, I'm missing some details. Well, so, but so it, it doesn't seem to me as incendiary as some of the other personal foibles. So there of- is another character <laughs> okay. in the game. I've written a column about him. His name is Emmanuel Macron. He was an advisor to. Uh, Francois Hollande, so an advisor to the current socialist president. He himself is kind of center lefty, but in like a he helped fight to bring Uber to Paris and wants us to be globally connected instead of retrenching. And so it's like some elements of populism, like let's take the power back from the elites. But he himself kind of comes from like the elite technocratic circles. So can he pull off populism? Because he is an outsider, right? He started his own political party. He's running. Oh, on March, right? Isn't that what it is? On March, yeah. Um, So doing his own thing. So his quirk is that he's married to his high school teacher. He was 15 when he met her. Vive la France. I mean, Right, you know. and so that's that's the kind of thing where I'm like, yeah, that's just 
I That's mean, France. Every, I mean, it is what like, it is. There was like the cabinet secretary who was unmarried and she was pregnant. And nobody knew like it, like who she was keeping a secret. I think Hollande used to be married Hollande, to the woman who had run against Sarkozy. Yes, but then he like I think he left her. But I don't think they were married. I think they were living as married. And then Sarkozy like crawled out of a window to be with Carla. Like I'm getting some details wrong, but it is you know. I mean, I thought Hollande was the one that they chased on the scooter. On the scooter, yeah. I mean, it's like. <laughs> I mean, it is it's cuckoo. Awesome. Right? I mean, it's not cuckoo. It's just, <laughs> it's just different. And I, and and I'm just always amazed at how the, you know, all of this variance, I guess, all this variation in people's lives are, are is so much more accepted, not just in France, but in these political races, at which you would just not have that in the states. Like this, like every year, like oh well, this one's got that, and this one has this. I, I mean, mean, maybe we, maybe we will. Maybe France is leading the way and we I mean, will follow. I, you know, that would, I mean, look, it doesn't matter to me if you, as long as you're not an actual, you know, hypocrite, you're not opposing something that you yourself do. That I, I have no patience for. But so, and it doesn't seem like any of these candidates are doing that. But so, yeah, the payments one, to me, I'm like, no, you, you need to do better French election. Like, I'm waiting, like, I'm, I'm now expecting something. Give me a better a little, scandal. Yeah, I'm expecting something a little bit more, you know, I can sink my teeth into than that one. So here's the, the, the challenge then is that Marine Le Pen um, is currently ahead in the first round vote. She gets about 25 percent, um, according to a poll by Opinion Way. It's one of the more recent polls. Um, Opinion Way shows Le Pen with 25 percent in a first round vote, Macron getting 22 percent and conservative Francois Fillon getting 20 percent. And that's a this is a drop for Fillon. He had been like at the top. It, it was going to be Le Pen and Fillon in a in a runoff. In which case, it's kind of would be the equivalent of like Donald Trump and Marco Rubio. I mean, again, this is I'm butchering this horribly, but like think about mm, not Marco Rubio. Uh, think of like Scott Walker versus Donald Trump as your only two general election choices. Right. Margie's giving me a face like, why have you just set up that reality for me? But uh, the the idea is then, OK, so is there a lot of volatility, right? Because you've got right. two folks ostensibly from the right. But with Fionn falling off, now Macron is now the guy who's kind of hovering in second place. And if the center left doesn't get its act together, can he pull those center lefty votes? And then when you get to the two-way runoff, Macron crushes Le Pen, according to this poll, which again – who knows? Uh, but shows Macron beating Le Pen 66 to 34. If Fillon is the one who makes the runoff, he would also beat Le Pen 62 to 38. So it's one of those things where Le Pen is ahead in the first round. Seems at this point unlikely that she will be president. But her support comes from these same sorts of frustrations about immigration and globalism and uh, th that have driven Brexit and that have driven Trump. And so could the polls be wrong in France? I don't know. And there's, you know, could a things multi, break late or what have you. Multi-candidate fields with a runoff. It's tricky. It's tough. And, you know, we're kind of far out, too. So, yeah. But stay tuned. We'll come back to revisit this if there's any more shakeup in the polls. Yes. So, Valentine's Day. Speaking of... You know, relationships, French I guess. politics. <laughs> now, we're, now we're into love. That's right. So, um, in our Valentine's Day poll that we found um we don't even know who did this uh it was commissioned oh, womanizer. by womanizer the womanizer oh product line <laughs> we're gonna google this afterwards and be like oh we shouldn't have done this poll on the show okay well, maybe oh we've made a huge mistake so, <laughs> so 
so poll by some poll by some group of you know people interested in Valentine's Day things said. Forty four percent of women say they do not expect to receive any gifts or special dinners. No, to mark the occasion. Forty one percent of those in a relationship report dreading Valentine's Day more than any other holiday. Hmm. I'd like to see Why? a gender break on that. That's interesting. I mean, you don't need to make it doesn't need to be that big a deal. 61% of women say that the length of relationship doesn't matter when it comes to celebrating. So you're not off the hook. If you've been for all, together for a long time, you still have to do something, even though people also dread it and are not expecting. Well, God, that sounds horrible. I, did we do a poll last year on, like, Valentine's Day candy? Mm. Why do we, No, we did candy corn. That yes, was Halloween. Well, I feel like it is important for us to bring up. Those little heart candies, those are very polarizing. You know those little things? Oh, that the sweet. The, um, they have the, like little messages on yes, them? Yes, yes, yes. Like yes. I love those, but I that's another one like candy corn where I didn't realize how many people just like hate them. Well, they taste disgusting. They are cute. <laughs> oh, okay. They taste like they taste like sawdust, you know, but they <laughs> are fun to have. And then like remember there was like a big thing like we've updated them. They would now says, text me, you know, they used to say – Oh, you're my gal or whatever. Millennials ruin everything. <laughs> now they Lord. say LOL. Like you can imagine the like three years of like meetings to make it like we got to update the messages on the hearts. Like, Easy D. Okay. Somebody's oh, gonna... no. That's just our president's Twitter feed. Oh, here comes like Joe's going to come <laughs> present like the new, you know, slogans. And we've tested these and we've narrowed it down from like 20 things. And one of them's going to be text me and everyone applauds, you know, the presentation. Netflix like, and chill. <laughs> Horrible. Horrible. Um. So, anyways. All right. What so, did we learn this week? So, we're so political, even Super Bowl ads divide us. And we still don't know the mode effect issue for Trump. Well, maybe Trump knows since he knows more than the pollsters. But you know who else is answering tough questions? Voters. And happy Valentine's Day. Don't listen to the polls, folks. Go out and buy something nice for someone. You can find us on Twitter at, at the pollsters or individually at, at Margie O'Meara and at Kay Soltis Anderson. Find us at www.thepollsters.com where we have links to all of the polling resources we think are awesome. We also post at Facebook throughout the week the links to stories we find fascinating and might discuss on the upcoming show. Please don't forget to write a review if you haven't yet. We love to hear from you. Send us notes on Twitter. Let us know if you're seeing any polls that you think we should talk about on the show. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks. A Westwood One podcast production. When we listen to the radio, we never agree on the station. Classic rock. Hip hop. Pop. Guys, quiet. The one thing we do agree on, we all want an awesome free phone. That's why we switched to MetroPCS. Stop by MetroPCS with the whole family and get four free phones of your choice from brands you love, like Samsung, Motorola, and LG when you switch. MetroPCS. Wireless. Figured out. Coverage not available in some areas. Sales tax not included in phone price. Free phone requires port. Excludes numbers on the T-Mobile network. See store for details and terms and conditions.